I'm still scared about the last time that we recorded. I didn't realize until after the fact that it only recorded the tail end. It didn't even record the rest of it. And I couldn't even, like, do anything with it. It wouldn't let me. Yeah, that's the... Sh- Can you hear my voice okay now, Chanel? Yes. Okay, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a shame about that, but that's fine. We can chat again. So, I have about one hour, if that's okay, okay that's with fine. you. Yes, that's fine. So, and I'm happy to start whenever you're ready. Or if you want to chit-chat a bit first, and that's fine too. Um, we can start. That's fine. We're recording now anyway, so. Okay. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming back on to the show. I appreciate it. Um, so how are things going? Um, as far as, you know, um, the whole lockdown and. Uh, okay. Well, in, I'm in Taiwan at the moment and we're not actually in lockdown. I think at the time of recording this, there's about 300 cases in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So it's actually relatively low still. So like today I've had a really busy day. I went out for like an Indian curry at lunchtime and then went to my friend's house with board games. After that, went to my other friend's house. And I went to this other restaurant and just joined two of my Taiwanese friends for like a birthday lunch. So I had a birthday dinner thing and we had pizza. And now I've just got back at the house. So I've been out like all day. So we're not actually in lockdown here. Um, okay. So it's pretty good as far as most other countries go. I think Taiwan's doing a really good job. Oh, that's good because I know here in Akron, we're pretty much on stay at home. Mm-hmm. And I know in the States, it's like until April 30th, May 1st, somewhere around there. Um but people are doing the social distancing thing from what I can see in my building at least. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I haven't been out the house in about a month. So, I mean, like to go to a store or anything. I, I pretty much delivered my stuff, had my stuff delivered. So, from what my family have said, it's similar in the UK. I think in Taiwan that they've started implementing social distances in restaurants. So they've rearranged all of like their seats to make them further away. And you've seen when you go into like the like the drugstore or the supermarket, they've got like tape on the floor for you to like space out and stuff. Um, and you're only allowed to take public transport if you're wearing a face mask at the moment. So they are implementing a lot of measures, but it hasn't quite gone to lockdown yet. But yeah, I think all in all, it seems to be going pretty good. Um, I think the UK is quite getting more serious at the moment. Yeah, yeah we've had like 18,000 deaths so far and like over 400 and something thousand cases here in the U.S. Well, 400,000? Last time I looked, it was like 200,000. That's yeah. That's crazy. It, it, well, you know, but some people don't even know they have it. Yeah, yeah I think especially with young people, like you cannot, sh- you have it and you have you can be a carrier for like up to two weeks without symptoms, right? But also if you're like really young and you have a healthy body, you might not show any symptoms, but you can still carry it and pass it on to someone who's more vulnerable, which is a scary thing about it. Right. And I mean, like, I pretty much stay in my house. I only take my dog outside to go to the bathroom. I check my mail, get something out the vending machine. And if I use my card to do that, that's it. You know, I'll take a, a Clorox wipe and wipe it off. And wipe, you know, the contents off and my purse and all that. But I don't, I don't, I'm not around people. Mm. I think on the, on some good news to do with Corona though, I think 
Charlie's on the upside now and doing a bit better because I was playing. Um, have you seen some people play this like online video game called VR Chats and you like jump into that like virtual world and just chat to random people? So I joined like the Chinese server and used it to like try and practice speaking Chinese. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking to like some people from like Beijing and a lot of them were saying that like quite soon some of the schools are going to be like reopening again and I think everything's like a lot more under control than it was a few months ago. Yeah, I well that's a good thing. That's some good news at least. I mean here we're hope they're hoping maybe to reopen the country by the summer. They don't yeah. know yet because of how crazy it's spreading. And I mean, here in Ohio, it's not as bad. But I've heard New York is like one of the worst. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's just terrible. And I, I just I feel for I feel for all those people. You know, it doesn't discriminate and. I mean, in the polyglot world right now, uh-huh. you know, people are talking about they're, they're having to cancel all the events and stuff. And I, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, right now, as much as that seems important, it really isn't. Your life is a little bit more important. Yeah, you got to look at things in, like, perspective. Right. And I mean, what? I understand people are disappointed, but. You can you could have had a virtual event. You know, you didn't necessarily have to meet up in person. But on the other hand, I've seen some people, like uh, my friend Jonathan from this YouTube channel, Seabot Speaks. Mm-hmm. He's like doing collabs with people and having like putting up YouTube videos almost like every day now. He's like in his house and like some people are using it as an opportunity to really like connect more with people online and like make the most of the time or like try and use it for more language study and stuff. So... There's some some upsides, I guess, as well. Oh yeah, yeah, I have him. He's, um, I follow him on on uh, YouTube and um, Twitter, and um, he's a part of my um, language learning group. And yeah, like I have planned on interviewing him anyway, um, because I like his 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 approach to learning languages, you know. It's okay to dabble. Yeah. And and I, you're starting to see a lot more people who, uh, you know, they're very critical. And I, I put this up on Twitter, you know, a while ago where I said something to the effect of, you know, a lot of people in the language learning community are critical of how people learn languages. And to be honest, the person's learning the language for themselves. They're not doing it for anybody else. And if whatever they want to learn matters to them, that's all that matters. Not You're not doing it to impress somebody. Yeah, I think I read some of his comments, though. They didn't actually sound like they were trolling. I think a lot of them, like, what it looked like to me is well, people that had followed his channel for a while... And like mm-hmm. really, like, cause John's like a really likable guy. He watches videos. He's really honest. He's really real with his content. Mm-hmm. And like, it makes you really want him to like succeed. And then the, what the comment was saying that I read was that he like, cause he changed language and dabbled quite a lot. The mm-hmm. person in the comment really wanted to see him like get like far in a language and like see him like, you know, get some like results and like be able to like see this sort of development and progress and stuff. So right. It was at least it at least it was kind of like coming from like a supportive place. Like at least it wasn't like a troll, you know. 
Right. I I've mean, seen a lot worse on the internet. <laughs> oh my God, yes. I've seen people where they had 30,000 people on their, on their YouTube and they wind up shutting their YouTube down. A, because of their health and B, because of their physical health and their mental health. And the mental toll was because all these people were so jealous of the amount of success they were having. And I said, well, you can always block these people. You can report these people. Why are you, you know, I would never allow somebody to affect me psychologically, especially if I knew that I was making content that was, you know, uh, helping people, yeah. you know. And I said, you know, when I do my podcast show, you know, I like to have conversations about things like this because I personally feel sometimes I see it as a form of bullying, yeah. you know. And then, like, I responded to Lindy's um, recent post. She said that sometimes... Sorry, do you, mean, do you mean Lindy Botas? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I interviewed her last year. She was a great person to talk to. Um, I felt bad for her on one end because she does create really great content. Mm. But on the other end, I did come out and say... When you create content, you're doing it because you want to help people. You're not going to always have people that are going to say thank you. So when you do this, do it from a place where you know that you're you're helping people. And if they get something out of it, that's great. If someone doesn't get something out of it, it's not your fault. You tried the best you could. You weren't put on this earth to please other people. You is that, I think I saw the Twitter post, that's like she posted something along the lines of like saying that someone asks for help on her channel, she puts a lot of time and effort into reply and then it's just silent on the other end and she feels a bit like, oh, okay. Is that, right. is, it was that post, right? Yeah, I've seen Yeah, that. it was that post. I mean, I, I, can I can understand what she's coming from, but I think what you're saying is right and like, regardless if the person replied or not, they probably took value from what she said and they respect her opinion, otherwise they wouldn't be asking. So, like, there is... Right. There's obviously good positives there as well. Right. And and I, I kind of see a lot of that with some of these people where they're human beings. They have feelings. They have emotions. They're going to get caught up in, in the inertia of it all when it comes down to, you know, you got over 100,000 people following you every week. That that says you're doing something right. Mm. You know, so yeah. for me personally, you know, when I give my advice even on Twitter, you know, I'll say, hey, look, you know, you're only 20 something years old. You have your whole life ahead of you. You know, you're going to have people that aren't going to appreciate it or they might have appreciated. They just forgot to say thank you. What's that quote or something? And it's like, how to avoid criticism is like, say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. It's like, if if you have if you're successful, you're going to get criticized. Like, you know. Oh yes, and 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 it it, you know, and that's another thing too. I, you can be popular on on YouTube or somebody's social media. And have people follow you and everything, but I've seen it where a person could say the wrong thing one one second later and it's all gone. Mm. You know, people just stop following. Just turn on them. 
Right. And I said, to me, that's not celebrity. That's just, okay, you get a little notoriety. But when you hit celebrity, it's when you're being followed by paparazzi. People are going to your garbage cans trying to find information. You see what I'm saying? You have no life anymore. You have no privacy. And a lot, and a lot of these people still have privacy, and they should be very happy about it. Yeah, totally. I think I'd drive me like, if I was like, if you were that famous to the point where people were like following you around every day, I think it'd drive me mental. Right, and a lot of these people, okay, like people have recognized her from YouTube and all that, and that's great, and she was happy about it. However, be grateful that you're not being stalked. Be <laughs> grateful that you're not. You you know, you don't have to have bodyguards around. You can still have some sense of privacy. Yeah, right. I mean, because YouTube is a great platform, but at the end of the day, I've seen people rise, and then I've seen people fall. And it's, you know, and then I've also seen people get swept up in it so badly to where they forget who they are. You know, why they did it for yeah, and I think a lot of people, when they get some success, can get caught up in like the making money side of things, and then can lose sight of the original purpose as well, and get too caught up in like monetization and stuff. Well, yeah, and I I was listening to a John Featheringham video, uh, a podcast, and he did a two-parter with Ollie Richards, and he was talking about how, you know, Ollie was saying to the effect that. You know, having an Instagram account, having a Twitter account, that that's not technically a business. You know, like if you want to do a language learning business, you know, you have to find your niche of what mm. you want to put out there. Like as far as, you know, do you want to put a course out there? Do you want it? You see what I'm saying? Are you writing mm. books in the target languages? You know, are you doing coaching? That sort of thing. A lot of people can put videos up and all that, and you can get some money from it, but look at the money that YouTube is making off of you. You see what I'm saying? And the content that you put up. I mean, I've seen people in this community that have had really successful YouTube channels, and they were hacked, they were reported, their stuff was shut down. Shannon Kennedy was a victim of that like three times over. She had to redo a YouTube channel because of people hating on her, and it was just terrible. Oh, yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, and I... Shannon Kennedy from Fluent in Three Months, Shannon Kennedy? Yeah, yeah, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, Eurolinguist, yeah, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, and I... It's a shame. I didn't have a challenge with her, like, ages ago, and she's, like, a really nice person, and, like, a really good polyglot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I, I've interviewed her a couple times already. She's a really sweet person. Um, I, I see that a lot on, on YouTube, on YouTube. I, I do more watching people and then create content, even though I have a page. I don't really, I'm not like the biggest video person on the face of the planet. And so I'll sit and watch people's videos. Yeah, I'd rather do podcasting. It's a little bit easier. But 
I just, I right now, I guess with the whole COVID-19 situation, you know, people Mm -hmm. are starting to look at things a lot more differently now than they did before, even in regards to their language learning, their socialization, their travel, you know, um, you know, a lot of them are introverted, so it's not a big deal. Some of them are not introverts, you know, is, is difficult. And, you know, I think it's a great idea when you can collaborate with people or you can put out more material or you can do something to make someone else happy. You know, because right now, sure. right now it's, 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 you know, trying to stay healthy and, and, uh, you know, not get sick from this is like priority number one. And, you know, it, it just makes you really think about things a lot more differently. Mm. You know, I know that Chris Burholm from Agile Fluency had to reschedule his polyglot cruise for next year, you know. And I said, well, yeah, I kind of saw that coming like a month ago before any of this really, you know, because people were talking about this. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, you know, I hope that people aren't crazy enough to want to not cancel their stuff. And So what is the polyglot cruise, sorry? Oh, it's a, sorry, Chris, Chris Broham? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with him. Or what's the polyglot cruise? Or who is oh, he? He's, he's a Danish um, polyglot. He has this show called Actual Fluency. Oh, it's a podcast okay. show. And he interviews all these different people. And he set up a cruise um, last year for this year because there wasn't, you know, anything like it. And, like, Judith Meyer and Ollie Richards, Lindsay Williams, and Kirsten Cable were supposed to be speakers at this event. And they were supposed to be gone for, like, eight days in the Mediterranean. And, and they took off in Barcelona and they wound up going to different parts of Italy and, you know, people got to practice their languages and go to these seminars and all this type of stuff. And it was like seven, $800 to go. That sounds expensive. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I mean, there, you could have done a payment plan too, but I, um, I thought it was awesome, you know, that he thought about this. Cause I guess he was talking to Lydia Makova of language mentoring.com. And she, had went on the the nomad cruise and um the digital nomad cruise and it kind of sparked him to think about doing a polyglot cruise based off of that particular event and because it hadn't been done before and so he went and organized it and got people to commit to it and so forth and so on and and a whole bunch of people, like 50 people out of 100, had signed up for it. And, um, you know, he is going to be doing it next year, I think from the 17th of April to the 24th of April. That's, you know, we're we're hoping that this, this whole corona thing dies down by then. So, Fingers crossed. Yes. And so he... He's um created that event 
and people were supposed to be on it from the 18th of this month to the 25th of this month, but because everything that happened, they had to push it back to next year. And I was like, okay, if you've been watching TV lately, they pushed back the Olympics until next year. They're pushing back, you know, they canceled NBA's season and baseball and all this other stuff because of what's going on. You know, you can't be around people right now. You know? And so, I mean, a lot of people understood that, you know, but I mean, there were some people that were disappointed. There's only so much you can do, right? Right. And I I sat there and I said to myself, like, well, that's great, but I'd rather be alive. You know, it's, you know, he's selling, he's selling polyglot swag on his uh, polyglot cruise.com website. And, um, you know, you can, you can get stuff shipped to you, like tote bags and, you know, coffee mugs and buttons and all kinds of stuff. And so he's, you know, doing that plus his podcast show, plus he does some work with Ollie on I will teach you a language.com site. So, you know, he does a lot of affiliate marketing stuff and, you know, but he doesn't like create courses yet. Like he's thinking about doing that at some point. But he speaks, he's Danish, so he speaks Danish and English, some German, a little bit of Russian, a little bit of Hungarian. I mean, he's like a lot of people who dabble into languages, mm-hmm. but don't, you know, like haven't committed 100%. But he likes, he likes the business side of it. You know, like doing more consulting and and affiliate marketing stuff and, you know, creating his podcast show. And now that he's doing this cruise, you know, which is great. You know, I think that's a wonderful thing. I mean, he's been asked to be on a panel recently for um, Boston University last year and. Um, to talk about podcasting with a few other people who have really, you know, highly successful language podcasts. But, um, yeah, I've been following him. I've interviewed him and, um, we became good friends, um, online and whatnot and support each other's podcasts since the beginning. And, uh, yeah. Now they said that the polyglot gathering is going to be postponed to next year. And I was like, I bet you the polyglot conference is going to be next just because no one knows. You know, it might be in October, but I think that'll be the next event that's going to be, you know, because I asked Richard Simcott about that. You know, why don't y'all do it virtually if you can't do it? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that would make more sense. And actually, I think that would make more sense because that would give somebody something to look forward to. With everything that's going on, you need as much positivity happening as you can. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, I mean, especially in the language learning community, because you have so many people that have, you know, that suffer from depression and anxiety. It's just a lot to deal with. And 
you know, when you're not used to being in the house all the time and you can't really see people like you would want to, or if you do, you got to be six feet away from them and you can't hug someone, you can't touch them. That's a lot to deal with. Yeah, yeah it's just not the same. Right. And, um, you know, when people are used to being around people, it's, it's what I would call the new normal. You know. But thank goodness for technology, you can still FaceTime or Zoom or WhatsApp people, Skype them. You know, so you're not completely out of the loop. You're just not able to be in the physical space. Yeah, and a lot of universities here in Taiwan, instead of stopping completely, they've moved to using, like, like technologies like Zoom and stuff to do lessons online instead of just cutting off school completely. So all these people can, like, continue to go to class and stuff. Oh, they're doing the same thing here in the U.S. And, you know, all the, I mean, some of the university dorms are being used for people that have COVID-19. So they won't have to go home and spread it to their family. Mm. You know, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it does suck if you're graduating from school, whether it's high school or whether it's college or nursing school or whatever. You know, because you might graduate, but. They might send you your diploma in the mail or mm. whatever. Or you might get a digital copy or whatever the case is. But I think a lot of, at least in the UK, a lot of graduation ceremonies have been postponed. My right. girlfriend's graduation ceremony for her like, um, LPC, legal practitioner's course, was supposed to be in, I want to say June, but it's been postponed until like, October or something now. Yeah, because people just don't know how long this is going to last for. They're hoping that it, it ends because of the, you know, season changing. And I said, well, people get colds in the sea, in the, whatchamacallit, in the, in the winter, I mean, the summer. They might not get the flu and they I might think not that get was, the- I think that was to do with, um, experience with SARS because the strands of bacteria for COVID is like something like 90% similar to SARS and SARS died out. It was mainly in Asia and SARS died out before when it got hot. And they were hoping that the heat again would kill the coronavirus because some bacteria can't survive in high temperatures. But the thing right. is, they've got data from COVID like in other countries, other hotter countries right now, and it's not stopped there. So they're saying that this one's more resistant to heat than than SARS was, so it probably won't. So I think that uh, that original idea that it might die out in the summer is kind of gone now. And yeah. you just kind of have to wait for it to be kind of better under control and to get everyone properly like isolated that has it or show symptoms and stuff. Or maybe oh, yeah. develop a vaccine. Yeah, and that's going to take a minute. And, you know, people are freaking out. And I feel bad for the people that don't have, you know, they got minimum wage jobs and they're trying and, to figure out how they're going to pay their rent. Yeah. I don't have a clue how they're going to get a vaccine to work either. As well, because the thing, like... From, like, my limited knowledge of biology, like, a vaccine, they inject, like, a dead form of the disease into your body. So then your body produces, like, the white blood cells to combat the disease. And then next time it comes into your body, you've got the cells ready ready there to fight it. But apparently with COVID, people that have gone ill the first time have been able to get ill a second time, which tells us that even if you've already got the white blood cells there to fight, you still get ill a second time, which means I'm not entirely sure how a vaccine is going to work. But... I'm sure there is a way, it's just not something that I understand with my limited knowledge of biology. <laughs> I mean, and, and what's, so, what's so messed up about this is that 
in regards to the language learning community, you know, everybody is, you know, they're starting to realize what um, um, Yeah, I forgot that my dog was on the front porch. <laughs> I have a, I have, um, I have a little Labrador Retriever down by. Me. Yeah. yeah, and so, um, I forgot that I had him outside. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think we spoke about this before. One of my dogs, Kieran's half golden retriever, half black lab. Aww. He's absolutely massive. He's like forty-seven kilos or something. He's a big. Uh. Oh yeah, my my dog is like sixty five pounds. Oh yeah, okay. I'm just was that div, divide by two point two to convert to kilos, right? You said so. You said like sixty. Sixty five pounds. Sixty five pounds. Okay, so four kilos. That's like thirty kilos ish. Okay, yeah. I think that's quite normal size for a lab. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, my cousin has a lab, and her her lab is like eighty pounds, eighty. Yeah. But I, you know, I think it just depends. I mean, because her dog loves people to death, and um, it, it's funny. Speaking of coronavirus, they did find out that a cat, uh, a lion, or was it a tiger? One of the two had gotten um, coronavirus. Hmm. And they had gotten it from another human being that had the symptoms but didn't know that they had it and they had gotten exposed but they they were able to give it medicine that was good for the animal, not for the human. And um, they were able to get over the coronavirus but they, they said that if a cat, if a lion got it or a tiger, then... You know, they wonder if dogs could get it. And actually, they said that because dogs have a different DNA structure, the odds of them getting it are slim to none. Oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, well, that's good to know. But... Well, like domestic cats then can? Uh, well, I mean, if a tiger got it from a human being. Yeah, then domestic cats would have might be able to because they're a lot closer to... Right. A tiger or lion or whatever you said it was. Yeah, and so I was like, ooh, now that's, you know, because the first thing I thought about was my guide dog. And they're uh, like, oh, no, dogs can't get it. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> but if they do get touched, they said that if they do get touched by somebody that may have it, um, what you want to do is you want to give them a bath. Oh, okay, so they won't themselves get infected, but they might still be like have like some of the bacteria caught in their fur or something that they could then transmit. Is that is that what, is that what you mean? I guess, but what they said is soap and water will kill it. So oh. when you get him home, give him a bath yeah. with their shampoo and with water, and it'll kill it, and you won't get it either. So because when you do soap and water. Um, it kills 20,000, um, corona on your hands. So that's why they tell you to go wash your hands. And even when you, after you take the dog out, wash your hands. After you feed him, wash your hands. Because I, I, um, 
graduated from Guide Dogs from the Blind a couple, uh, like six years ago with him. And he wasn't even two yet when I got him. He was 19 months. And um, now he's seven, going on eight. So um, they sent out a letter stating the guidelines, especially if you have a guide dog and what to look out for in regards to coronavirus because, you know, this this just doesn't affect, you know, this affects the handlers, but what can you do to keep your animals safe and you and all that? So I, I read that yesterday, and I was so happy to know, oh, well, oh, this is so good to know, you know, because I had planned on giving him a bath next month anyway because I give him a bath once every three months. And, um, cause he doesn't get dirty or anything like that. So, but, you know, it's a good time to have an animal. And I see a lot of people adopting animals, especially dogs right now because of the companionship issue, you know, and I, I wonder, you know, cause I don't know how many of our polyglot friends have animals, you know, uh. you know, to keep them, you know, um, company. You know, it it does it does help. You know, um, I know that um, a lot of people have stated that they're, you know, doing other things to keep themselves busy aside from language learning. I said, well, I I clean my house, but I clean it in spurts. So I clean my bathroom and my kitchen, mm. and then I'll mop my mop and sweep my floors the next day. And then I'll clean my windows and desk the next day. So it gives me something to do every single day. And then three days a week, I work out. I have, like, my own little gym in my house. So I, I work out three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And it helps with the stress level. I'm able to create podcasts like I'm doing now and put that out. And, you know, I'm able to continue with my Irish and my um, Levantine Arabic. So... You know, I keep myself busy and, you know, watch plenty of movies and TV shows in different languages and, you know, try to think positively and not freak out about it because, I mean, we can't really do anything about it anyway but keep ourselves, you know, away from people as much as possible. So how's your Levantine Arabic going at the moment? Um, It's going well, actually. Um, I've been using Link to do some of the mini stories. I need to get back to that. Um, me and uh, a friend of mine named Luke Francis, we're, we're, um, gonna, we're doing this challenge where I'm using mango languages to do basic Irish. And mm. he's doing the Michelle Thomas um, Irish Foundation course. Um, and we're going to talk about the differences of the both courses on a podcast episode and um, down the road. But we thought I thought that would be a good idea to do a language challenge to see who would want to do learn an indigenous language with me, even if this is the only language that I learned that's indigenous. I actually have a quarter Irish in my bloodline, so that was another reason why I wanted to learn some Irish. I, I I said I would learn the basics, you know, mm. which I just got finished interviewing Patricia McGeehan, um yesterday. She is one of the creators. So what was, what was her name? Patricia, Patricia McEan, M-A-C-E-O-I-N. 
Okay, and what does she do? She is one of the content creators for the Michelle Thomas Irish course that just came out okay. recently. And so I interviewed her yesterday, and I'm going to be putting that out next week. So she, I interviewed her. I spoke a little bit of Irish. And, mm. um, I mean, I've only been studying it for three weeks now. But I take my time when I study. So for me, it's like I'll do, like, let's say the chapter has ten lessons. I'll do two lessons a day, you know. And then... I'll practice what I learned and so forth and so on. And I'll do that because there's like 10 chapters, but there's 76 lessons in the whole basic course. So basically what you're doing is you're learning like A1. You'll be done with A1 in 10 weeks, which is fine with me. You know, I might not want to go any further than that, you know. But so how do you decide if you want to learn to A1 or if you decide... Uh, you want to take it to a higher level. So, like, what language do you speak to, like, uh, like, a, like, B two level or like, like, sort of high intermediate level, such advanced? Um, how, how how do you like decide, like, say Irish? I just want to go and dabble a bit to get to A one, or say for something else, I don't know what. Say Russian. Why you wanted to take that further? Uh, well, Russian was the first foreign language I studied independently outside of university. So mm. I spent the most time with that. So I'm up at like a C1. You know, I can have conversations with people for like three hours or more without mm. speaking English. And I prefer it that way. Um, that, that's kind of like my method. I would rather speak and not focus on reading and writing as much, but speaking and listening because I want to be able to be understood by the person and I want to be able to understand them. Yeah. The reading and writing to come later. And I, I found that to, you know, be most beneficial for me. A lot of times when you're learning a language, people focus on all four core elements, and I focus on the main two, listening and speaking, because I'm not going to write anything down. I can't write anything down. Mm. You know? um, I, I, I do feel like the more you mix them, the more they reinforce each other. Though. So, like, say... Right. Like, if you were to only learn through audio and speaking, I feel like it would be a lot more difficult to acquire the words necessary to get to C1 compared to if you incorporated reading, like reading articles, reading, I don't know, subtitles, reading novels in as well. well I feel like it's a better way to, or not, like if you're okay. using both, I feel like it's a better way to get the word count you need to get up to that sort of level. Well, when you're coming from a visual, a visual, I can see that because I, I used to read print, so I can understand where you're coming from on that. Mm. Um, but I see that as like a means to an end to be able to acquire the language. But I'm also looking at it from an infantile point of view too, because when we were babies, when we first learned English as our first language, um, we didn't have the tools to read and write or know what a verb or a noun or an adjective was. You see what I'm saying? We did a lot of yeah. listening and reading, listening and repeating. We didn't yeah. learn the rest of those skills until we got to grade school. Yeah, but I don't think a baby speaks to a C1 level, right? <laughs> no, no, but by the time they're five, they do have a nice command of the language spoken. Yeah. In a spoken manner. So once they learn to read and write, they can put the other stuff together because they had a large vocabulary to begin with because of 
the environment that they were in. Mm. So, so you're pretty yeah, much. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. If like speaking is your goal, then I think like the most important thing to work on at the start is listening comprehension. Right. Well, see, with me, the reason why I went to a C1 level was because I did the following. I did a lot of listening. And I, when I mean I did listening, I did about 5,544 hours worth in a year. Hmm. And I, I listened to stuff from 6 a.m. in the morning till midnight. And nothing but rushing. And so I got different points of view, different, you know, how real people spoke. I listened to my favorite political podcast. I listened to President Putin a lot. I, I listen to movies, I listen to YouTube videos, whatever I can get my hands on. But I also use Memorize. I did like six out of the seven courses of that. I did Michelle Thomas. I did do a little Pimsleur, but I didn't like it. Um, can, I, can I ask you a question of what you just said? Uh-huh. You said you started listening to all this content like YouTube, podcasts and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And like whatever you get your hands on. Was that from at the very start when you couldn't understand very much? Or was it from like, in, did you wait until you got a bit better before you started? And if it's like, if it was from the start, then like, I guess one, how did you cope? Because I mean, that's something I like to do as well, but a lot of people ask me, how do you cope with the noise and the feeling of not understanding? And like, B, how much would you stop to look at words, if at all? Okay, so what I did was this. When I started initially, I did... Mark Thompson's um, Russian Made Easy 30 Lesson Podcast, right? Because I only knew five words in Russian at the time. Spaziba, Paka Paka, Riviat, Da, and Nyet. Okay? So yes, no, thank you, hello, hi, goodbye. That's all I knew. Oh, no, and Dasvidanya. And then I knew um, Davino, which means a long time ago. Okay, so I knew those 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 seven words, that's all I knew. Well, no, babushka, too. I knew that. So I knew, like, eight words in Russian. That's all I knew. I went, and because I was motivated, and I really wanted to learn Russian, and I I just took it like a, a duck to water. You know, I learned through context just listening to this podcast. And I just visualized it all in my head, you know, while I was listening to this. And I never wrote a word of Russian in my life. But I figured out how to speak it. By the time I got done with the first 10 lessons out of the 30 lessons, I was able to interpret what was being said in the basic Russian that I was learning. And by the time I got done, all the grammar, I had figured out all the grammar and everything in like a week. Like, I did all 30 lessons in a week because they were like half an hour per lesson. And then I went and I went on YouTube and typed in Michelle Thomas Russian and I found Natasha Bersatsky's courses on, on YouTube and I just started listening to it passively. You see what I'm saying? And, mm. and a, a lot of the stuff that I had learned in the Russian Made Easy podcast that came back to me so it was like a refresher, but it, it went a lot more deeper. And I just started recording myself speaking from day one. 
And I kept speaking and recording myself and speaking and putting it out there and putting it out there. And that's how people started to know who I was. I was the, the blind kid who spoke Russian. And so people were fascinated on how I was learning Russian, which was hard for somebody who never, you know, took it. For me, it wasn't because it was something I wanted to learn. And then after I did that, I just kept using Michelle Thomas, and I used a little bit of Pimsleur, but I really didn't like Pimsleur because it was just too slow. So then I just started looking up YouTube videos and podcasts, and I... I was like 38 at the time. And then I used, I started using Memorize because it was free. And I just started doing like the first course, which is like 300 something words to learn the alphabet, the numbers, all that. And then I went to RussianPod101.com and got a year subscription. And I started utilizing all that content, you know. So I would I would sit there and everything I would learn from listening to podcasts and doing the memorized thing, I would go back to Russian Pod and see how much of that information I understood. So I would say I started in April, like March fifteenth of of twenty fifteen I started my Russian journey. And then I went to Florida um in July with my best friend. And I was sitting up there having dinner, and I was saying that I I speak a little Russian now. And this was, like, after, like, three months of three or four months. And so this 50-year-old woman who was from Russia had been here for years, okay? She turned around and started speaking Russian to me, and I just started speaking. And she was like, oh, my God. And people at the table were just so astonished because they never heard me speak another language before. And and they knew me for years. And so I said, well, you know, this this is working for me. You know, people kept asking me, how did I do it? And I said, well, a lot of it was just exposure to things that I like. But I wanted to get to a high level in speaking. So I spent a whole year speaking. And then I spent a whole year doing nothing but listening for like 18 hours a day, seven days a week. So I cleaned my house. I have it in the, the house. I, I fell asleep listening to Putin talk. And... I knew I was highly proficient when I could have a three-hour conversation with my ex-boyfriend's mother who spoke no English. Mm. And that, That's a really cool feeling when you feel like there's certain like people that you're friends with or you have certain relationships and you think, like, if I didn't know like Russian or Chinese or whatever the language is, then I couldn't like be talking to this person right now. Right. And I mean, for me personally right now... Um, uh, you know, someone asked me, they was like, your French is, your French and, your French is high. And I was like, yes, my French and my Italian and my Dutch passively are extremely high. I'm not gonna uh, lie. What level would you say your French is? Well, in regards to understanding, I would say it's pretty high. I can, I can understand the news. I can understand a lot of books. Um, like, I'm still listening to Les Miserables right now. Oh, you mean like Audible sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, but oh. I also have ebooks too where I, I, I have voiceover read in the language, the book. Like, I'll buy oh. it in the target language and then I'll switch the language over to whatever language and then I'll just have it read to me out loud. That's if I don't want to hook my display up to my 
my phone or my tablet and then so read what about it. output do you reckon um I try to do as much output as I can um you know I I do a lot of let's say I'll send somebody a, a audio message in in Irish uh, if I say hello how are you no sorry yeah. I meant like on your you were talking about your French level for input I mean what about your French level for output do you reckon um I I try to speak as much as I possibly can. Um, right now I'm not speaking as much because I'm focused on Irish and Arabic. Uh. But I do get input when I'm listening to like um like I'll have certain certain tweets from certain places and certain countries and certain languages. So like I have like News 24 or in French or I have something in Italian or Arabic. On, on my Twitter. And I'll sit and I'll listen to that a couple times. Like they were talking about coronavirus um, the other day, and I could understand what they were saying. You know, I, I mean, I know when my proficiency is good, when I can switch my phone over and I can go through the um, my phone without having to have assistance getting out of the language that I put it in. So I feel like for some stuff though, like like with something like Spanish, I feel like most of the words on the phone are like really similar to English. You could like just switch it over on day one and get your way around. Um, I think it depends on the person though, because I mean, once again, you have people who, oh, I suck at Spanish. I was like, Spanish is not as hard as you think it is. It really isn't. Um, I think some of it is because of where they went to school what type of teacher they had, and were they really motivated to learn it in the first place, or was it like me where you just had to do it because you needed it for a degree requirement? Spanish is a beautiful language, but here in the U.S., people learn that language so much because we have such a high concentration of Latinas in the country, and I think that's great, but there's so many other people in this country from other countries you know, I just wish that they would push that more, you know, more of a diversity of, of, I mean, I know in Ohio we have like, oh my God, you name the language, we probably have it. And and, and I know at least here. Wait, is Ohio where Moses McCormick lives? Because I've seen, is it? Yeah, yeah, Moses? yeah, he, he, he was originally from Akron, but he lives now in Arizona. Yeah, I think I've seen like videos of him like walking around and like speaking, who knows what language, like all sorts. If you oh can, like, yeah. If you go look and you'll find it. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been following him for years. I love him. He's amazing. Um, I I will say this though. He has said yes, he does speak so many languages, but he also has stated. Some of the languages you might speak at A1, A2 level. Some of the languages you might be B1, B2. It just depends on how much he wants to focus on that particular language. But he does all kinds of languages. You know, it's unreal, like the stuff he knows. And, um, you know, he's been doing it for 20 years. You know, he started with Chinese, Mandarin. You know, and he he did it the old-fashioned way. You know, you didn't have the internet. You had tapes and CDs, and you had you had a little phrase book. You know, but you know, with technology being the way that it is now, there is no you can learn a language for for no money. 
if you really want to. And I, I tell people that all the time. Yeah, some like, of the best resources are free, like YouTube and stuff. Oh, yeah. And, oh, my God, people should be on TuneIn Radio. You can switch the country and go to whatever country you want and find podcasts and radio shows and, like, I I have Lebanese podcasts in Lebanon and, and, and Arabic and I also am uh, subscribed to Arabic BBC and you know like they tell you when you're learning Arabic as a prime example um you should you should pick a dialect so I picked Levantine Arabic because we have a large Lebanese population here and I will tell you the little bit of Arabic that I've been speaking. People go nuts because they're like, wow, I can't believe you're learning our language. And I'm like, I find it to be awesome. But I've also was introduced to the Middle East and Asia and Africa from a very young age. And mm-hmm. so, therefore, for me, there are certain Asian languages I like more than others. Like I like can- Cantonese, Thai, and Japanese. Those are my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. I did try Mandarin. I didn't like it. I, mm-hmm. I guess I couldn't get it. I mean, I got the Cantonese more so than I got the Mandarin. What do you reckon you didn't like Mandarin? Uh, I, I mean, I guess I got the pronunciation of Cantonese first because it was my first language, my first Asian language that I had learned to at least an you, A1 you, level. Like, you mean like you'd prefer the sounds of Cantonese or you just... Like, it, it, yeah, I could say that, but I felt like I gravitated to Cantonese first. And because that was the first Asian language I had ever, like, picked up before, mm. it was easy for me to just start absorbing it. I feel like Cantonese is just a very, like, very cool sounding language. Like, I was watching, like, Ip Man, like, the other day or something, and it's just, like, this scene where, like, they ask him what his name is, and he's just like, oh, gee, and then you just, or, like, some of the other stuff he says, and it's just, like, it just so it just sounds so cool to me, you know. Right, or or like like you sit there and say, um, um, no set gone still still guantanamoa no get from y'all, um, done high, um, no on set gone, um, chingmong, um, no get from y'all. Um, <laughs> I don't speak Chinese, but I do speak a little Cantonese. Um. You know, so it, it, I, after six weeks of doing all 10 lessons, all 10 chapters, because once I get started with a language, if I'm really like hyped up about it, I will keep going with it. So sometimes if the chapters are short, like five and six lessons long, I can go through like three chapters in a day. And then I'll just keep going after that. And, um, I started with like one chapter a week and then I, I, I increased it by two every week. And by the time I was done, um, I had, my goal was to order some food, give my address and telephone number, um, uh, in Cantonese, which I did just that. And last year. And the person understood me even though they spoke Mandarin. And they kept encouraging me to keep going because they were like, you're really good. And we had to laugh because I tried to order some barbecue beef bun. And they don't serve barbecue beef bun here in the States. Or at least at the restaurant that I had ordered from. 
they only serve it like in Hong Kong. Like a dim sum restaurant. Huh? Like the, like a dim sum restaurant or something. Yeah, and and I I we laughed about that, but I had ordered me um some uh, another another dish in Cantonese, and um she she was impressed. I mean, I was able to give my telephone number, I was able to give my my address and name and all of that. Order my food. I I mean, and that was something that was a goal that I had. I didn't plan on like, okay, I want to be, I want to get to like an intermediate level in this language. I just wanted enough to be exposed. So if I could ever go somewhere, I could buy something. I could ask how much this costs. You know, I wanted the basics because I knew that I wasn't going to be around a lot of people that spoke it. But if I ever went to a market or I ever went to a restaurant, I could still use it, you know, mm. at the basic level. So that's why I did that. And I don't regret it because I still remember a lot of it today. And it was only a year ago that I started. So in that in that regard, you know, I think it just depends on the language and it depends on what what you really want to achieve out of it. I don't, you know, I I see a lot of these polyglots where, you know, okay, I learned Hindi and I learned German and like three to six months okay but then when you ask them well what level are you at they kind of it's hard I, I mean okay so you spent all this time so did you work up to an a2b1 what you see what i'm saying because people can say that they speak it but if if you don't hear them say anything they could just be saying it just to boast you see what i'm saying yeah, it's hard to know. Like, it's, it's easy for someone to say, and like, even um, I think this is something. Like even if even if you see a video of someone like speaking a language as well, like if if they don't post, you just don't know. And even if they do post, if it's a language you don't speak, you can sound really fluent, but they could be like completely off. So you don't really know unless you're like a native speaker or speaker to a high level. So right. you really like if you watch like these polyglot videos that people put out. I guess if they speak like say ten languages. I can only really judge like one or two of the languages that they speak if it's good or not, and the rest of them I kind of just have no idea. Right. Well, because you really have to like ask someone who knows it to a high level. But, right. Um, yes. Yeah, so I've I've got a few minutes left, and then I've got okay. to shoot off and get ready for bed. Is, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, I was going to ask you. So since you're, you know, not as bogged down with, you know, the whole quarantine thing. Um, what's it like for you right now on a daily basis in regards to your language learning? I mean, have you still, are you still able to practice your, your Mandarin? Are you still able to do your Cantonese? Are you, you know, are you still able to interact with people? Have you had to change up how you do it because of this? As far as Mandarin goes, I live in Taiwan, so I get like, like, I think, like, for example, today I went out with friends, gifted, giving groups of friends, and I probably spoke about something like eight hours of Mandarin today, because I was just with people all day, you know? And in terms of like, in terms of like, like input, like, I only really watch stuff in Mandarin as well, like, I only watch like Chinese stuff on YouTube and Netflix and things like that, so I get a lot of exposure to Mandarin. 
probably it's probably easy to say how much I get exposed to English. I probably get exposed to maybe like an hour of English a day. Like mm-hmm. like speaking to you is the only English I've used or listened to or spoke today. For example, the rest has all been in Mandarin. So in terms of Mandarin, it's really easy to get exposure to. And as far as Cantonese goes, I I speak a little bit, but like um, I'm kind of like folk. I've only in Taiwan for like a year, so I really wanted to like take the opportunity to try and push my Mandarin as far as I can go, and then maybe do like a revival mission to when I get back to the UK to help with Cantonese. But in terms of if the coronavirus has affected it or not, the biggest thing that's affected me so far is that what we were going to do our university classes on like at this like at the, at the language center but now we've moved it to online using zoom which is a bit less it's not as fun as being there in person but I, I, i'm like a social person i like being speaking mm-hmm. with people seeing their facial expressions and stuff but mm-hmm. it's not as good on zoom but you know it's still it still works so i can't complain now, if anybody wanted to reach you, like, as far as, like, find more information about you, where can they go? So you can look me up on YouTube. My YouTube channel is just Luke Truman and then Full-Time Fluency. And, again, you can also look me up on Twitter. My Twitter handle is also Full-Time Fluency as well. It's um, F-U-L-L-F-U-F-L-U-E-N-C-Y. Oh, sorry, I said that wrong. F-U-L-L-T-I-M-E-F-L-U-E-N-C-Y. Um, so you can check out Twitter and YouTube is the best places. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this again. I actually, this is actually a cool interview because we actually got to talk about not just language learning, but how COVID-19 is affecting him. Yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> I'm pretty sure most of it wasn't even about language learning, but it was interesting talking. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, too, because I just put out a COVID-19 um, episode recently, and it's gotten a lot of hits. So, you know, I I think uh, when I title this, because this probably won't come out for two weeks, because um, I'm going to put out the um, Patricia uh, McIan um, interview next Friday. Um I think that this might bring some comfort to a few people to know, you know, people are, you know, doing things and, you know, things have gotten pushed back and, you know, we're coping just like they're coping, <laughs> you know, um, mm. you know, I mean, cause like I talked to someone recently, um, when I was, placing an order and we both were on the phone crying (laughs) you know because it's just it's so hard to you can't see your family not in the normal way you know i mean i still keep in contact with my family but via the telephone but you know they're only 40 miles up the road like an hour away from me and it still is hard you know because you want to see the people you care about you want to see your friends but you can't yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's the same and like so it's, it's not the same like the, seeing someone on the other side of a Skype screen and actually being there in person are two completely different things exactly and like especially if it's someone like you're really close with like if it's like a girlfriend or boyfriend or like something else it's just like looking through the screen is just not the same as being able to actually like hug them or whatever it's just completely different yeah and I mean I can I, I'm glad that a lot of people are taking time to 
learn languages, find new hobbies, utilize their languages differently. Like I'm cooking food and learning how to cook Lebanese food, you know, um, now, you know, um, while learning Levantine Arabic at the same time and, you know, making new friends from Lebanon and stuff, you know, because of it. So, mm. you know, I'm using my language like I would use it in my, in my English life. I'm, I'm using it the same way. So for me personally, you know, it does give me the distraction from worrying about this thing that's out there that, you know, is become really scary for everybody. So, but thank you for taking the time to come back and speak with me. Um, Thank you for inviting me on. And um, I will pray for you and everybody over there. Um, Be safe. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody, and hope you all stay safe. Stay safe, Chanel. You too. Bye.